a woman named Kate McCord, has written a fascinating narrative about her time among women in Afghanistan. And the book is called Behind the Blue Burqa. It's a story after sad story about the oppression of women in that particular culture. And Islam has a well-deserved, shameful reputation for its mistreatment of women. But to my knowledge, we, we don't have any followers of Muhammad in the house today. Perhaps, but probably not. What we do have in the house today are people, many of whom would say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And reading a few books doesn't make me an expert on Islam or the Arab world, but this I can say with authority. Followers of Jesus Christ should treat women with special dignity. Followers of Jesus Christ should treat women with special dignity. I want, and today, I want to give you three reasons why. And the Lord's given me an especially heavy pastoral burden about this this week. And as you know, I'm in a series of messages, and I changed in order to talk about this today because I feel like this is what God wants me to talk about as a pastor to our church today. This is a burden, like a pastoral burden I have on my heart. Followers of Jesus should treat women with special honor and with special and with special dignity, and I want to give you three reasons why. You might want to talk, start by taking your Bible and, and opening it to Psalm eight this morning. Open it to Psalm eight, and we'll tell you the first reason. Very simply, is that we should honor women because women are human. We should honor women because women are human. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, "Wow, glad I came to church today because before I came, I didn't know women were human." Well, I want to talk a little bit about humanity and tell you some things that you may not have recently thought about, about the wonder and the majesty of what it just means to be a human being. And everything that the Bible says is true about human beings is true about female human beings. And I think you'll see how profound this is as we study together. Now, this is a beautiful psalm. Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. You're using little babies to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man you are, that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? What is man? That's a good question. What is man? What is a human being? And the answer comes there in the next phrase. What is a human being? Well, a human being is a person that, according to verse 5, you have made him a little lower than, and the word in the original is Elohim. Elohim is a big name for what? Do you know? It's a name for God, right? The word of the original is Elohim. You have made him a little lower than Elohim, than God. And, and crowned him. Crowned him with glory and honor. Who's him? Humanity. Men and women are made a little lower than God and crowned with glory and honor. To be human means that you're crowned with honor and dignity. The stamp of God is on you. And so that's something to be thinking about here. You've made him a little lower than Elohim, crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, and you put all things under his feet, sheep, oxen, beasts of the field, birds of the air, fish of the sea, and whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. This passage is a beautiful passage that tells us a lot about mankind, womankind, humankind, human beings, what it means to be a human being. 
And if you read this and you're familiar with the language of the Bible, you recognize that this is, includes, it has embedded within it a quotation from Genesis, from the creation in Genesis. He is going to say, this, this quotation, you have dominion over the works of my hands. Mankind, human beings, are given um, a stewardship to work with God in bringing the earth to subjection to Himself. And the whole trajectory of human history is to bring this earth to, uh, into um, conformity to God's wishes, to His will. To his dominion, His beautiful, benevolent, joyful, happy, sinless dominion. And that's where the earth is going in the end to a place where it is under the dominion of Christ. And he wants to use human beings and not just men. Men and women. Now let me prove that by looking in Genesis chapter 1. And, and this is the second flip. Flip 1 was Psalm 8. Flip 2 is Genesis 1. So um, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. And I want you to recognize that what it quotes in Psalm 8 about men and women is coming from Genesis 1. And it's clearly not just about men, but it's about men and women. In Genesis 1, 26, it says, Then God said, Let us, this is a reference to the Trinity, let us make man in our image. So human beings are crowned with glory and honor, and they're crowned with glory and honor because they're given dominion. They're given dominion because they're made in the image of God as, to represent God. Made in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion. Do you see this? Over the fish of the air. This is the language that goes to Psalm 8. Over the fish of the sea. I think I said fish of the air, but that's not true. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. That's just to see if you were listening. Over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And you're thinking, that's right, that's a man's job. No, it's not. It's a human's job. Interesting. Look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Women are to be treated with special dignity because human beings are to be created with special dignity and women are human beings. (laughs) Let's consider what it means there to be human. Men and women are made in the image of God. Men and women are, are more valuable than many animals. Remember when Jesus was teaching about the fallen sparrow? And he said, you are of much more value than many sparrows. In other words, m- mankind, humankind, men and women are more valuable than animals. <laughs> Human beings are made in the image of God. They are to have dominion. They're to help God in his exercise of dominion over the earth. He's allowed them to participate with him in his exercise of dominion over the earth, men and women, according to Genesis chapter 1. So men and women, Jesus taught about the Sabbath, and he was saying, I created the Sabbath for men and women, not men and women for the Sabbath. Jesus was saying that there, there's a value or an honor or a glory or a dignity in being human. Now, this is, stay with me on this because this is going to be really significant. And it's going to have, I'm going to take a little turn with this in a very practical turn. So you want to kind of get the, your bearings on what I'm, what I'm teaching here. In other words, Jesus continually in his teaching and the Bible continually in his teaching elevates what it means to be a human being. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that if a person showed contempt for other human beings, even in the way they talk, they would be guilty enough to go to hell. Jesus taught that clearly in the Sermon on the Mount. 
To speak or act toward a man or woman with contempt is to earn the judgment of God. You need Jesus to die for you if you've done that. In other words, so before, now, to understand all these things are true about men and women. Men and women are made in the image of God. The image is distorted because of the fall, but yet we're made in the image of God. Men and women are made in the image of God, and they exercise dominion with God. He allows them to work with Him in the dominion of the earth. Men and women are crowned with glory and honor because they're human beings. They have Godness on them. They're made a little lower than Elohim, a little lower than God. In other words, what we're just teaching here is to be human means that you should be treated with special honor and special dignity because of you're created by God. And, and what we're going to see in the Bible is that that's not just true of male human beings, but everything that's true about male human beings is also true about female human beings. Everything that's true about male human beings is true about female human beings. Our roles may differ to some degree in, according to our stages of life and our gender, but our value, our worth before God is equal, absolutely equal. Now, this is an example, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 28. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, you are all one in Christ. So she, a woman, is an equal heir to all that is ours in Christ. A woman is of much more value than the animal kingdom. A woman is, uh, the Sabbath is made for a man, is made for a woman. It, a, the, a man shares in the dominion of God and bears the image of God. A woman shares in the dominion of God and bears the image of God. He is the supreme ruler of the universe. He enlists her aid and his aid with him in the subduing of all the kingdoms of the earth to himself, ultimately. That is the trajectory to which all of the cosmos is moving, that Jesus would be king, and he's going to use men, and he's going to use women equally in subjecting all of the cosmos to himself, in exercising his dominion. So now my question this morning would be, one of my questions would be, do you see women the way God sees women? Is that how you see women? For instance, it's common for people to see women as their personal servant. A, a woman is made to be the servant of a man, and they think they have Bible verses on that. Sometimes we think we have a Bible verse on that. Oh, she's the helpmeet. And the kind of the image that you get is this. I have a kind of a personal helper or a personal attendant or a personal servant or a personal slave. Thank you. Bring me the remote. Can I get something to eat? We're out of chips. Um, you, I mean, after all, you're my help meet. This is, this is what it means, right? I marry and I get somebody to sleep with me here laughing. And that's probably good. Get somebody to sleep with me. Plus they also are going to take care of me, clean up my messes and, and kind of, kind of wait on me. Uh, this is not what help meet means. This is not what help meet means. No, no, it doesn't, guys. It just doesn't. Glad you came to church. It doesn't mean all of that. Uh, women are not made to be the personal servants of men. Human beings are made to serve one another. 
Men are given full responsibility for everything before God. They have to answer to God. And a woman is a gift to help the man and aid him. A man needs accountability. And she helps him with the accountability that he needs. Every man worth his salt understands that. A woman is a gift to him to hold him accountable in life. It's not good for a man to be alone. Do I need to go into detail about that? I don't think so. She's given to help him. He has decisions to make. She's going to help him make wise decisions. He has to provide for the children and the care of them if if they are gifted with children. She is equipped to nurture, to nurse, to care for children. She is a valuable help to him. An honored and cherished and valuable help. She's not his personal servant, slave. A woman is not a toy for the exercise of selfish sexual desire. My wife and daughters work out in the world among men and often come back and tell me stories of their treatment by men in our culture. And one of my daughters looked me in the eye the other day and she says, Dad, I know when a man is decent. And ladies, you know this. You know when you're being treated as a sexual object by a man and how common and frequent that is. And you know when a man is virtuous and honest and pure and he's treating you the right way. Christian men should always treat women with virtue and with honor and with dignity, not as sex objects, God forbid. We are heirs together of the grace of life. The decline of dignity of women is, goes along with a tragic decline in culture. If you read Romans chapter 1, you see that. When, the, when, when a woman's dignity is distorted or perverted in Romans chapter 1, it's evidence the whole culture is falling away from God. And that is what's happening. Look throughout the world. You don't have to look outside our country to see this. But for instance, the, the, the one-child birth control policy in China is a terrible human rights violation against women because people... They would, pref- they would prefer and often frequently do away with a female child. You know, the, the cohabitation culture that's so common even right now in our country leans against women. Women are the losers in a cohabitation culture where they're not honored and treasured and cherished when men don't make lifelong vows of fidelity and and honesty to women. Women end up, generally speaking, being the loser in a cohabitation culture. Why should we show special honor to women if we're followers of Jesus? Because women are human beings, and it means something to be a human being. Second reason is because women have much to offer. And what I'm saying is this, God has gifted women God has given women wisdom and ability and intuition and insight and gifts and skills. He's given them spiritual gifts. He gives men and women spiritual gifts. He gives men and women spiritual insight. He gives men and women ideas and thoughts. So men and women, they have much to offer. Men have much to offer. Yes, women have much to offer. Often, God in a in a family relationship will will I believe communicate something to the wife before he have you had this experience? He'll communicate something to the woman before he communicates it to the man, and this happened frequently in the Bible. He would communicate something to the women and not yet communicate to the men. There are a number of examples of this in the Bible, and I've always wondered why is that. And I have a theory 
Because the Bible clearly teaches that women are to be cherished and honored and respected. This would be one way that God would have of getting us to cherish and honor and respect the women because we might think they might be getting a word before we get a word. And so we might want to kind of listen to them because they might warn us about something. Now, my, just a, a, if you'll allow me a personal, uh, every once in a while my wife will warn me about something. Sometimes even just the tone of voice I'm using when I'm correcting or trying to teach or encourage one of the children. And she may get me aside and she say, be careful how you say that to so-and-so, one of the children. And then I'll think to myself, I know what I'm doing. But then I think, but no, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear this because it might be that she has an insight, a valuable insight. I have a friend whose name is Greg. It's an interesting story. Greg uh, grew up in poverty, single-parent home. He's, to this day, rarely read a book in his life and he doesn't know how to use the internet. I told him last night when we were talking on the phone, Greg, you probably will never amount to much if you don't read and use the internet. Now, Greg is a multimillionaire, and, and, and let me tell you how it happened. And, and, and he, he always wanted to start a business. He loved the idea of starting a car wash business or having a little filling station like Gomer Pyle, you know, in Mayberry, like Goober. And, and so he says to his wife, he, he's working in an uh, aircraft manufacturing area, but he comes home hot, sweaty, dirty, tired, and he says to his wife, I'd love to start a business. And she says, what kind of business would you like to start? And he says, I'd just love to have a filling station. It's like to be like if a filling station or a car wash. And, and she says to him, Greg, I don't know if that's a good idea. What do you know about car washes and filling stations? And he really couldn't bring himself to go on with his dream because his wife discouraged him from doing that. So then sometimes he would say, maybe we could own a fudge shop. And she says, what do you know about, you know, fudge shops? And this went on and on. They lived in a little mobile home in a, tra- in a, in a house trailer. They're a humble one. And they, and they had very little. And one day he came home and he told her about a business idea that he noticed at work. And they were making airplane parts uh, uh, for small airplanes. And, and the turnaround time on the repair of these parts was long. And, and he, he figured if there was a way to shorten the turnaround time and have one prepared when a person, they would send in the core and they would send that right away. There'd be value in that. And he said to his wife, that, that would be a great business idea, don't you think? And she said, that would be a very good business idea. You should pursue that. He went back to the shop and he said to them, I have an idea that we can make a lot of money. And he told the shop and the shop said, we're not interested in that. But if you're interested in doing it, we'll give you a leave of absence and you can try it. The only problem is he's going to need some capital. He's going to have to have some money to invest. He didn't have that. So he went home and he told his wife how discouraged he was. But she, Lori, was a diligent woman. And he said, she said, you know, we have savings and we have retirement. I'm not recommending this. We have savings. We have retirement. I think this is a good business idea. And I think we should take all of our money and we should put it into that business idea. And so he ran this business out of his trailer. He had a little metal shed out back. He told me last night on the phone. He said, Ken, people would call me in the first few years of the business. And they would ask if we had a part. And I said, I need to check the warehouse. And then I would scurry out to the little um, shed out back and come back in and said, yes, we have two of those in our warehouse. Greg, I met Greg because he bought the Gerber mansion in Fremont, Michigan, a Frank Lloyd Wright mansion. And he had a swimming pool inside almost as big as our church. It was quite a mansion on the lake up there. And he did pretty well for himself. He jokingly said last night while I was calling him to confirm the details of my story, I own quite a few gas stations and I own quite a few, a a number of uh, car washes now and some other things. And he said, Pastor, you're right though. I've had a number of ventures that I've been involved in in my life. 
He said, and some of them have not really worked out well. And when I studied those ventures, I realized there's a common denominator. The ones that I got excited about and I did without Lori's encouragement didn't go well. And the ones that I did with my wife's counsel have prospered. I said, Greg, thank you for, do I have permission to tell your story? Yes, he said. Oh, incidentally, he's in Orlando with his family having a bit of a vacation right now. It might pay to listen to the women in our life, right? Maybe you too could be not here and in Orlando having a vacation. So then women have much to offer. We could say much more about that, but let me hasten on because it's, after all, it's Mother's Day and you have to get early in line at the restaurant. This is just one way to honor women, by the way. We honor women because women are human. We honor women because they have much to offer. And Christian followers of Jesus should honor women because Jesus honored women. This is so rich. Let me just show you a bit of a Bible survey about how Jesus treated women. Jesus' treatment of women was revolutionary in the first century. We don't recognize this now when we read back over the Bible, but in his time, his treatment of women was revolutionary. Let me give you a bit of a synopsis of this. Some of Jesus' most loyal, sacrificial disciples were women. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3 teaches that they supported him. I mean, materially supported him, followed him. They learned from him. That was revolutionary in the first century, that women would be encouraged to learn. In many places in the world today, it is still a controversy. It's revolutionary to allow women to learn. In the church of Jesus Christ, women are equal learners, and and they are to be given teaching responsibilities as well. They supported him, followed him, learned from him. They had, notice they gave of their finances, so they had control of their own finances. It's critical to the dignity of any human being to have finances, to have a sense of personal security, to have reasonable safety, to have reasonable security, to have reasonable mobility. Jesus went against the male bias of divorce laws of his time and of his day to see to it that women had material provision if they were set aside by their husbands. This was revolutionary. Jesus taught this very clearly without flinching. He cared about the oppressed and the weak and the vulnerable, and women were among them. I've known women who were grounded by their husbands, not given keys or a car or the ability to go anywhere. They were grounded, and they, and, and even for many years after that, never wanted to be in a car with somebody else because they feared being grounded. They feared not having any personal autonomy or safety, the ability to go somewhere. Women, I, I was speaking to a man who gave me permission to tell you that though he's grown in the Lord and he has a happy marriage today, early in his marriage, he married a woman who was 17 years old. He was involved in the military at the time. Her family lived just a few blocks away. And when he was, even when he was gone at work, he said to his wife, now that we're married, I want you to stay in our home. I don't want you to go visit your family all the time. He said it with tears in his eyes because Jesus lives in his heart. And over the years, he grew and realized what a terrible thing it was to tell his wife where to go and what to do when it came to visiting her own family, even while he was gone. Now, these kinds of stories, unfortunately, are not uncommon even among professing followers of Christ. So it's probably a good day to day today to say, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if I am a follower of Jesus Christ, then I should treat women the way Jesus treated women. 
Jesus chose to reveal himself to human beings after his resurrection. And the first person that he revealed himself to after the resurrection, a witness of his resurrection, was the woman. The first herald preacher of the gospel. The first evangel of the gospel. The first one to talk about the good news was a woman. He intentionally did that. Even though they were not, uh, didn't have legal authority in a court of law, he made them the first witness. Dorothy Sayers said, perhaps it's no wonder that the women were the first at the cradle and they were the last at the cross. They had never known a man like this man. There never has been a man like this man, a prophet and a teacher who never nagged them, never flattered or coaxed or patronized them, who never made them demeaning jokes about them. He didn't rebuke them in anger, but praised them without condescension. He took their questions and their arguments seriously. They followed him. Because he honored women. He taught women alongside men. In the New Testament church of Jesus Christ, women were encouraged to learn alongside men. But in huge parts of the world today, there are violent attacks against families who allow their daughters to be taught. This is not Christian. Not at all. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. This was a revolutionary thing. This was a shocking thing. This didn't happen in his day. She's sitting at his feet listening to his teaching. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Martha's saying it's not right for her to be being taught when we're supposed to be waiting on you and serving you. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion which will not be taken away from her. He commended her desire to learn. Jesus honored his mother right up to the very last breath on the cross. In John chapter 19, one of the final sayings of Jesus on the cross, take care of my mother. He honored women while he was dying. He honored women. To say nothing of the fact that he was dying equally for men and for women. He was gentle and merciful to women, even when they were guilty of great sin and filled with guilt and shame. In John chapter 8, he was gentle and merciful to a woman who was taken in adultery. And people love the story of Jesus' kindness to this woman because we too often face down people who would pelt us with rocks because of our own guilt and sin. And Jesus was merciful to this woman. He took time to reveal things to women, even before he revealed them to men sometimes. For instance, in John 4, there was the the half-breed woman at the well of Sychar, and he looked her in the eyes and told her specifically things he didn't tell other people. He told her he was the Messiah. And then he commissioned her to be an evangelist immediately, and she went back and won the whole town for Christ. So Jesus... um, treated women with unusual dignity and unusual honor and unusual respect. And if we're followers of Jesus, we should too. Jesus healed a woman on the Sabbath against the bitter objections of the religious Gestapo of the day. He he defended her with a shocking and wonderful title that would not have been lost on her or the people who heard it. He called her a daughter of Abraham. It was common then to say, a son of Abraham. Every man had his thumb under his lapels. I'm a son of Abraham. He coined a new phrase, daughter of Abraham. Heir to all that any man would be heir to. The promises, the covenantal promises to Abraham were given to men and women equally. 
I have a sensitive question for you, and, I, and this is the heart of my message today in terms of application. I ask it to me, and I ask it to you. Have you mistreated women in your lifetime? Do you mistreat women now? Do, do you treat women the way Jesus treated women? Do you give honor, worth, and dignity to the women in your life? You might be a woman yourself, and you may be thinking here about your mother or just other human beings. This is true of all human beings, but we're focusing on women today. Jesus is pleased with treating women with honor and dignity. Is Jesus pleased with the way you treat women? The way you talk to and about women? The way your attitudes around women? Are women safe, cherished, and treated with dignity and honor around you? Have you mistreated the woman that God placed in your life? And if you have, if mistreated the women that God has placed in your life, are you willing to be honest about it and humble and change and repent? How wonderful it would be if all of us have mistreated other human beings, especially those we live with. And said things we shouldn't have said. Used words that we never should use. In the presence of a man or woman, but especially a woman. The pinnacle of God's creation. And will we be honest and humble and simply admit, I have spoken of you or about you or treated you or disrespected you or not listened to you. This has been true about me. And I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Will you please forgive me? What a wonderful thing could happen in our church if in the families of our church this would happen. What a beautiful Mother's Day it would be. If you could get quietly away somewhere and just say, you know what the pastor was talking about today, I'm guilty of that. You know that. In the past, I've been guilty of that. And I want to ask you, if you, I want to humble myself and be honest. I want to ask you, I'm going to try God helping me. Will you forgive me for the way I've spoken to you or the way I've treated you? I believe that many men need an epiphany. They need an enlightening. They don't even recognize what they've done because it's the way they were raised. It's the way the conversation went in their house. That's the way their dad, their grandpa talked about women and treated women. And the women kind of maybe enabled that. And so they didn't even realize this is not the way it's supposed to be among followers of Jesus Christ. Do you treat women the way Jesus treated women? Can I... Can I give you a, a little list of ways to honor women I just thought of, and you could think of better ways. I just have a little list, some ways to show honor. You can show honor and worth and dignity to a woman by kind, respectful speech. The way you talk to her and the way you talk about her shows honor or it shows contempt. So one of the first things to do to show honor to the women in your life is to speak to them with kind and respectful speech talking to her and about her in a kind and positive way. Another thing, deep, respectful listening. Deep, respectful listening, which is something that we all have to work on. One way to show honor to anybody, and maybe especially to a woman, is to value her opinion. Value her thoughts, her ideas. Listen to what she has to say with a deep, respectful, probing kind of listening. There are levels of listening. There's the, I need the basic information. Spare me all the details. I don't need you to, you know, tell me all the emotions. I don't want to get into that. Just tell me what I need to know. Listening. And there's the, 
Tell me more about that. What's on your heart? I need to know the innermost workings of your soul. Please, I want to be an expert at you. Talk to me, listening. Wouldn't it be wonderful in our church if men recognize that following Jesus means they respect women by listening to them carefully, patiently, deep, respectful listening. My wife, who is uh, in Kentucky today, singing with a family, she's not singing, they're singing, would definitely want me to put this one here, money and material gifts. I'm not making fun. I wouldn't do that, especially today. That would be dishonoring. But some women... A gift, money. The best way to show honor to them would be to give them some money. Give them money and don't ask them what they're doing with it. Give them a chunk of money and don't even ask them what they did with it. Just give it to them. Because after all, they're smart and they're able and they're, and they're benevolent. Often, like my wife, and she's not here so I can, I can say, will often make money and then she will not use that money for herself, but she'll buy back to school, clothes for the kids, and shoes for soccer, and, you know, you ladies do that too. But money and material gifts, to some people, this is very important, that they, they're given things, and they're not, they're not asked to answer about them. They're not made to be accountable about that chunk of that income. It's just a way to show honor to somebody. This would be something, if you haven't done, it's probably because you're kind of wired to be frugal. And I would just suggest it's a great quality, and I commend you for frugality. But be very, very careful that there's just that you recognize one of your obligations, like paying your water bill, is give your wife some money and don't ask her about it. And then delight in seeing just what she does with, with her money. Acts of service are meaningful to some women in particular, just kind acts of service. The, uh, what is it that they talk about when you know it's something that they want? Or being really quick to forgive and not bitter and harsh, but quick to forgive. Women are honored by being quick to forgive. Think about this. Jesus honored women by forgiving them. What a wonderful thing. Certainly your wife or your daughters or your mother have hurt you. Certainly there's sinners that have injured you. Certainly there you can make a case against things they've done for you. But will you be like Jesus and forgive them? What an oil in the machinery of life is forgiveness, right? Here's some other ways. Take interest in her projects. Real interest. You know how it is. We, when I talk with my wife, I'm, I'm often eager to tell her. I'm a talker, so I'm eager to tell her everything I did and, and all the things I'm thinking and what I read and my ideas. And sometimes I just realize she's being polite, but she's not really all that interested because she's got something on her heart that she was doing today. And it's all her world, and it's important to her. And she want, needs to talk about it. And if I love her, I have to say, wait. I can wait a little bit to talk about what I want to talk about. And I can show sincere interest in her projects. You know, in, in, over the years, Lois has had a number of different projects that I didn't n- necessarily immediately see the high value of them. Cross-stitch stamping, things like that. I'm like, one could live without these things, in, in my view. And yet, because they were very interesting to her, we would drive for miles and, I, and go to store. Usually, I would map it out. I'd figure out where's the nearest bookstore to the cross-stitch shop so I can honor her and then, you know, kind of get my breath at the bookstore uh, or, or coffee shop. And this is the way we lived. And I think that's how you make things work. But you take her to those places and you show interest and you invest in her. And then she does amazing things. It's amazing what women can do if you kind of are their number one chairman of the board, chief uh, cheerleader of their fan club, 
sometimes they will really make you proud with what they can accomplish if you endorse what they like to do and you treat them like Jesus would treat them. Jesus cares about the projects that are on all of his daughter's hearts. Jesus loves to put creativity in a woman and then see what she can do with that creativity. Jesus loves to endorse, be the, be the president of the fan club of a woman, and then she brings him honor. That's the way we should be. So take interest in her projects and show honor to her family. This is huge. You know this. Let her talk bad about her family. You don't. Knucklehead. I don't say knucklehead in the pulpit very often. This is pretty important. If I called you knucklehead, you might want to take notes on this one. You know, right? I mean, if, if she talks about her brother and he's crazy and you agree, you're crazy. Don't agree with that. Honor her by not involving yourself in any of that. Uh, honor her family, right? Honor father and mother. Protect her. And with me, this kind of came home uh, in driving. You know, my wife likes me to drive extra special, careful when she's in the car. And, and I'm always safe in a kind of a NASCAR kind of a way. I'm always safe, you know. But she's like, if I'm going to ride in the car with you, can you please? You know, and I'm like, one of the ways she just feels more protected, she's vulnerable, she's riding in the car, and maybe that's something you could do. Drive real careful when you have the precious cargo on board so that she feels safe and cherished and honored. If you had, if you had the, the first lady or the president of the United States in your car, I hope you would drive carefully, regardless of your political persuasions. Uh, you would, should drive carefully. It's like if you had an honored guest in your car, if you had President Bush or, or President Obama in your car, you're like, the president's in my car. So I'm driving carefully today, but you have your, your wife, faithfulness and fidelity, life long, secret, sexual, moral, faithfulness, and fidelity is an absolute if a woman is going to feel honored and be honored. Attention this afternoon would be good. It's her day. It's ladies' day. So let's pay attention. I drove by a cemetery this morning on the way. I saw an unusual amount of traffic coming out of the cemetery, and I thought, well, I've got women in my life that are still living and today, I'm going to love them. And someday, there will be a time I go to my mother's grave, unless the Lord takes me first or we get raptured together. But today, she's alive. And yesterday, I went to see her. And I listened to her. And I held her. And I told her I loved her. And I thanked her for all that she's done for me. And I could never thank her enough. I tried to practice what I wrote here by giving honor to my mother. But I had another reason. I wanted to talk to my dad because something happened in my family. My dad didn't always treat my mother with the kind of honor a man should treat a woman. And I drove to my dad's house to ask him if I could tell you this today. And he humbly gave me permission to tell you this because I thought it might be helpful and powerful. My dad is a devout Christian, deeply loves the Lord. But he had gaps in his sanctification, one of which was the kind of um, the way he treated my mother. Um, About 1975, precisely 1975, God did a deeper work in his life. My mother went away for a week to a conference at Moody Bible Institute, a choral conducting conference, and my dad was home, and we saw this happen. All the kids watched my dad go through this kind of revival about the way he treated mom. And at the same time, God was, at the same time working in my, my mom's life, no cell phones, they weren't connected then. She had gone to Fulkerson Park Baptist Church, Life Action was there. She had a personal revival. Dad had a personal revival. 
My mom and dad had a marriage revival. When they got back together, they sat together in the car. My dad bought my mom things. He treated her with special dignity and honor. He talked with her like he didn't talk with her before. He was very careful about what he said about her and how he talked to her. We all recognized it, and we thought it was just going to be a new phase, and it was going to go away. And I'm here to tell you that it is still that way today, to this moment today, 1975 to today. So that can happen to you too. It can happen to me. We can be different men than we are right now by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And we can treat our wives and our daughters and our mothers and the women in our culture with special honor and special dignity. And what a crowning thing that would be for those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. And I was volunteering in a kitchen in a Christian ministry. I was like the director. I was a director, which was kind of a a big deal to be a director in this ministry. I'm a, I'm a director, and I take my work staff, and I go to this other part of the ministry, and I decide to volunteer with them when they go in the kitchen. I work in the kitchen. So I'm, I got my sleeves rolled up, and I'm working in the kitchen, and the chef starts to yell at me. He didn't like something I did, and although it was a perfectly reasonable thing I did, but he yelled at me. He was very disrespectful to me. And I remember thinking, and all the young people just immediately kind of sucked in their breath and stopped, and they looked at me like, what's going to happen here? It got really quiet, and this guy was really rude to me. And I just said, okay, I'm sorry. And I did what he asked me to do. And then later on, he came to me and he said, I am so sorry. I am so embarrassed. I didn't know who you were. What he was referring to was I was a director in this ministry. It's kind of a Mickey Mouse position anyway, but, you know, that's what he was referring to. What he really didn't realize is that I was a human being. And I wonder, men, can I say this to you? Is there going to come a time in our life when we wake up and we go, about our wives and maybe our daughters and mothers, I didn't realize who you were. I did not realize who you were. I didn't realize how valuable you were. I didn't realize how bright you were. I didn't realize how gifted you were. I didn't realize how you are crowned with glory and honor, with human dignity. I never, until I got, we're not going to wait until we get to heaven, are we? I'd like to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. One of the ways we want to honor women is sending them on their way at about noon today. But before we go, I think they might want me to ask you this question. I just want to ask you, I'm going to ask in a moment for men to indicate, not right now, but in a moment, by lifting the hand up and putting it back down, that they want, they need help and want to be the kind of men that treat women the way Jesus treated women. And maybe you haven't always done that. Certainly not. I'm going to give you an opportunity today before man to man and before the Lord, men, is I'd like all the men to look at me and all the women to leave their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And if I could just see you, men, I say this in love and respect for you as a fellow learner. I wonder how many of you would just say by raising up your hand, let's pray together that I treat my women in my life with honor and dignity like Jesus did. God bless you guys. Let's be this kind of men. Let's be this kind of church. Let's just be the kind of church where people go, women are honored in the evangel. Women are loved, treated with, with dignity. Father in heaven, I just pray your blessing on, on all of these. And I, and I know this would be true for men and women too. For young people should honor their, their brothers and sisters. They should honor their mother and father. And in so doing, honor God. But I pray today on this lovely Mother's Day that you would go with us now and help us to live in a way honoring to you and pleasing to you 
as you are our example, that we would that we would have a new level, that show a new level of honor and dignity to women that you love. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I have your attention?